0: Lesson 4 for January 21-27 to The Personality of the Holy Spirit Sabbath Afternoon, January 21 Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for Your Holy Spirit to be part of our lives. And as we study more about the Holy Spirit this week, we pray that Your Word will speak to us, that we will be obedient to Your call and that our faith in you and the salvation that's provided through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus may be such that we will share it with those around us. Bless us in all of our comings and goings this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Let's read that again, John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Because the Holy Spirit is occasionally depicted in the Bible in impersonal terms, such as wind or fire, some have concluded that he is impersonal, a type of divine power. In this view, he is more like an electric current that empowers us rather than existing as a personal being. But the question is not whether some passages can be brought forward that denote more impersonal operations or influences of the Holy Spirit. The question is whether there are numerous portions of scripture that positively do establish his personality. There are texts, and we need to take them into consideration in order to gain a more complete picture of who the Holy Spirit is. This week we will learn more about the personality of the Holy Spirit as He is described in Scripture. This truth will help us better understand the role of God's Divine Spirit in our lives. And it will help us to gain a deeper understanding of the importance of the belief in the personality of the Holy Spirit for our spiritual life. Only when we entertain right thoughts about Him can we render to Him that love, reverence, confidence and submission that are due to Him. Sunday, January 22, Jesus' Description of the Holy Spirit Question. Read John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, John 15, verses 26 and 27, and John 14, verses 17 and 26. What very personal characteristics does Jesus attribute to the Holy Spirit in these passages? And what does it mean to you that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a helper or comforter, or in the Greek, parakletos? First of all, John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. And John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And John 14, verse 17, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, For he dwells with you and will be in you. And verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit guides, speaks, hears, discloses and glorifies in John 16 verses 13 and 14. The Holy Spirit also teaches and reminds us in chapter 14, verse 26. He dwells in us in chapter 14, verse 17. He testifies in chapter 15, verses 24 and 26. And he convicts in chapter 16 and verse 8. These sound more like the actions of a sovereign personality than they do of an impersonal force. Question Read John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. How would Jesus' promise be fulfilled? How are the disciples not left alone? John 14, verses 16 to 18. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus cares for his followers. He would not leave his disciples as orphans. He promised to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus here specifically says that he will send another helper or comforter. The words that Jesus uses here are significant he promises to send another helper not a different one the greek word for another is allos in the greek language of the new testament allos indicates that christ will send another comforter who is numerically distinct but is of the same character that is who is similar to himself in other words Jesus promises one like himself, one who will take his place, one who will continue to do his work in us, and who is his representative. This work of the Holy Spirit is the work of a helper or comforter. The Bible here uses the Greek word parakletos, as we read in John 14:16, to describe someone who is called upon for support, for assistance, someone called to our aid. Just as Jesus is a person, the Holy Spirit is also personal. This idea is supported by the fact that personal attributes are often ascribed to the Holy Spirit. We'll look at some verses again. John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. And John chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and chapter fifteen and verse twenty eight for it seemed good to the holy spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things and romans eight twenty six likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So to finish the day, why is it so much more comforting to know that the Holy Spirit is a personality instead of a mere force? <music> January 23, Personal Aspects of the Holy Spirit, Part 1 Question. As you read the following texts, ask yourself if they sound as if they are talking about an impersonal force or about a divine person. First of all, Romans 8 verses 14 to 27, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the same chapter, verse 27, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And Romans 15, verse 30, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. And First Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god and acts 8:29 then the spirit said to philip go near and overtake this chariot and acts chapter 10 verses 19 and 20 while peter thought about the vision the spirit said to him behold three men are seeking you arise therefore go down and go with them doubting nothing For I have sent them. And Acts 28 verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. Can an impersonal force intercede on our behalf? Does an impersonal spirit or power have the ability to reveal to us things about God? Does an impersonal influence have the ability to speak? All those biblical statements make much more sense if the Holy Spirit is a personal being as opposed to some impersonal force. Question. Read the following texts. What personal attributes are ascribed to the Holy Spirit in these passages. First of all, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. And Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And from the same passage, verse 9, Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And Romans 15, verse 30, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. The distinctive characteristics of personality are knowledge or understanding, feeling, and will. Only a personal being can be grieved. Only a personal being can be deceived and lied to. Only a personal being has the ability to choose as he wills and has his own volition. The will is perhaps one of the most distinctive elements and characteristics of any personality. And only a personal being has the capacity to love. True love is not conceivable in an abstract and impersonal manner. Love comes with a very personal touch. These predicates of personality indicate that the Holy Spirit is a self-conscious, self-knowing, self-willing and self-determining being capable of love. He is not a shadow effluence or an impersonal essence. The Holy Spirit is spoken of in these personal ways because God himself is a personal God. Ellen White writes in Evangelism, page 617, The Holy Spirit has a personality, else he would not bear witness to our spirits and with our spirits that we are the children of God. He must also be a divine person, else he could not search out the secrets which lie hidden in the mind of God. End of quote. So, to finish today... How does the biblical perspective that the Holy Spirit has characteristics of a personality impact our relationship with Him? What would be different if the Holy Spirit were just an impersonal power as opposed to God Himself? Tuesday, January 24, Personal Aspects of the Holy Spirit, Part 2. A challenge we face in understanding the Holy Spirit is that we can imagine God as a Father in a somewhat tangible way. Many also have a complete picture of Jesus as he is described in the Gospels. He took our human nature and appeared to us in human form. The Holy Spirit, however, is presented in a very different manner. He is seemingly impalpable, much harder to comprehend than are the Father and the Son. Hence, some draw the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is only an impersonal power. As we have seen so far, that idea doesn't really do justice to the nature of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are statements in the Bible that would make no sense if the Holy Spirit were just an impersonal force or a divine power. Question Carefully read the following two passages and see if they make sense if you replace the reference to the Holy Spirit with the impersonal word power. How do these texts make sense only if the Holy Spirit is indeed a person? The first is Romans 15 verse 13, and I will read it as it is written in the scripture now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit let's change the word holy spirit to power now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the power and the second one is first corinthians chapter 2:14 And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now let's read that with the substitute of the word power for spirit. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the power and of power. The statement of the Apostles that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us in Acts 15.28 would be absurd if the Holy Spirit were only a power or an impersonal influence. The statement instead indicates another personal being, much the same as both the Father and Son are personal beings. Furthermore, how can believers be baptised in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit in matthew 28:19 if the first two who are mentioned are persons but the third mentioned is not that doesn't make the best sense instead all three are mentioned as being part of the same one name in whom we are baptized thus the holy spirit is revealed here to be on the same level as god the father and god the son Ellen White has perceptively stated in the Book of Evangelism, page 615, that there are three living persons of the heavenly trio, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. She too is very clear about the existent personality of the Holy Spirit. Wednesday, January twenty-five. The Spirit of Truth. Question: Read John chapter fourteen, verse six, and seventeen, verse seventeen. What is the meaning of truth in these passages? John fourteen, verse six: Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." And John seventeen, seventeen: Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. In the Gospel of John, the word truth is a key term. Our contemporary understanding of truth often is very abstract and theoretical. In the Western world, it has been shaped by Greek philosophy. However, in the Bible, and particularly in John's Gospel, truth carries a rather personal and specific meaning. Jesus is the truth, as he read in John 14, verse 6, while God's written word is truthful. Compare that with John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. And Psalm 119, verse 142, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. God's truth is revealed in a supreme way in the person of Jesus Christ. A true knowledge of God is given to us in Jesus, of whom the scriptures speak, because God has revealed himself through him. Question. Read John 15 verse 26 and 16 verse 13. What function does the Holy Spirit have as the Spirit of Truth? John 15.26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And John sixteen verse thirteen. However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. In John 16.13, we are told that the Spirit of Truth will guide us into all truth. He does this by pointing to Jesus Christ and by helping us to remember what Jesus has said and done for us. The truth into which the Holy Spirit leads us is very personal. He lifts up Jesus and leads us into a living and faithful relationship with Him. When Jesus talked with the woman of Samaria... He said that God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth in John 4.24. When we ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life, as we read in John 14.6. Truth in the Bible is no abstract thing or theory, such as often appears in philosophy truth encompasses a deeply personal and faithful relationship to our creator and redeemer who is called the god of all truth in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 and Psalm 31 verse 5 thus the holy spirit is aptly called the spirit of truth as he read in John 14:17 and 16:13 who was sent to us from god the father as we've already read in John fifteen twenty six, indicating not only his personal character, but also his divinity. And so to finish today, we do tend to think of truth in terms of propositions such as the logical concept known as modus ponens. If A, then B, A therefore B and no question A lot of what we understand as truth, we understand as propositions. How, though, do you understand the idea of truth as a person? Bring your answer to class on Sabbath. Thursday, January 26. Why does it matter? A question of the personality of the Holy Spirit is of utmost importance, and it has highly practical implications. As Leroy Edwin Froome wrote in The Coming of the Comforter, page 40, If he is a divine person, and we think of him as an impersonal influence, we are robbing a divine person of the deference, honour, and love that is his due." End of quote. if we think of the holy spirit only as a mysterious divine power our thoughts will be how can i have more of the holy spirit but if we think of the holy spirit as a divine person we will ask how can the holy spirit have more of me the decisive point is do you want to possess the holy spirit or do you want the Holy Spirit to possess you? Do you resist His influence, or are you willing to follow Him in joyful obedience? Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 12-14. to 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are sons of God. And Galatians chapter 5, verses 18 to 24. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you want to use the Holy Spirit according to your plans, or do you rely on Him so that he can enable you to become more like jesus christ and do what he has in mind for you do you take seriously the fact that your body is the temple of the holy spirit which is in you whom you have of god 1st corinthians 6:19 and are you willing to glorify god with how you live question read romans chapter 5 verse 5 and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. How are the Holy Spirit and God's love connected? What impact does that have on you personally and on the church? Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, and Ephesians two eighteen and 19, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. People consciously choose to cooperate with one another. We are invited to work together with the Holy Spirit while He leads and transforms us personally and God's church corporately. If we do not accept the Holy Spirit as a person of the triune Godhead, it will be easy for us to ignore Him, to deafen our ears to His invitation and to harden our hearts against His life-changing influence. And, because we are fallen, sin-damaged beings in need of God's transforming grace, the only thing we need to do is ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If anything, we need to give more of ourselves to Him. Thus, in our acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit is a divine person who wants to use us, God stands at the centre of our Christian experience. And so to finish today... Ellen White wrote in a desire of ages page six hundred and seventy two We cannot use the Holy Spirit; the Spirit is to use us. End of quote. What do you think Ellen White meant by that? How can the Holy Spirit use us? Well, there's a verse in Philippians chapter two thirteen, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. friday january 27 and jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 Notice, as Jesus gave them their calling and work, He said to baptize disciples in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't say names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but just name, the Greek word anoma. This is more powerful proof of the triune nature of our one God. As we read in Deuteronomy 6, four Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As this week's lesson has already pointed out, no one questions the personality of the Father and the Son. Thus, why should anyone do that with the personality and personhood of the Holy Spirit? According to the Bible, we have the loving, caring and comforting presence of God Himself working in us and through us. That's who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And how much nicer it is to know that this abiding presence is a person, just as much as the Father and Jesus are. Yes, it's hard to fully understand, but so what? If we can't fully understand the nature of something as basic as light or wind, how much more so will we not be able to fully understand the nature of the Holy Spirit himself? And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. In class, go over the answer to Wednesday's question about truth being a person, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Why would Jesus be the truth? How do we understand truth that way, instead of seeing it merely as precepts or propositions? Two, Ellen White wrote in Evangelism, page 616, We need to realise that the Holy Spirit, who is as much a person as God, is a person, is walking through these grounds. End of quote. What does this tell you about the reality And presence of the Holy Spirit. 3. Go back over some of the traits and characteristics of the Holy Spirit that we have seen this week. Which ones are especially comforting to you? Which one means the most to you? Share in class what you chose and why. And question 4. What can you better relate to? An impersonal force or a personality? What are the implications of your answer? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled, Finding God's Plan, Part 2. Rosa continued attending the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and she became convinced that this was where God wanted her to be. After attending the church for several months, Rosa asked to be baptised. Her parents were angry when she told them about her decision. For the first time in her life, her father hit her, and her mother demanded that she leave the house. Rosa packed a few clothes and her school textbooks and left her parents' home. She went to stay with an Adventist family who lived nearby. Two weeks later, Rosa's mother sent her sister to ask her to return home. She was permitted to sleep in her own bed, but her parents no longer supported her financially. A scholarship paid for her school tuition, but Rosa took a job cleaning the church to pay for food and other necessities. She spent most of her time in class and studying in the school library, going home only to sleep. Rosa managed to finish college on her own. Rosa knew that her mother was worried about her. How will you ever find a husband, she asked. Rosa knew her mother had a point because there weren't many Adventists in Poland. But she claimed God's promises to provide for her in every way. While Rosa was preparing for baptism, she met Christoph, a young man who lived in another city and also was planning to be baptized. The two began writing to each other and in time they began dating. Eventually, they were married. Christoph entered the ministry and Rosa began her career as a teacher. Her family saw that the couple were happy in their faith and in their work and they have reconciled with their daughter. Rosa hopes that one day soon her parents will find the joy in Jesus that she and Christoph know. Rosa is grateful to God for leading her to the Saviour through the influence of her grandmother, a Bible lecture brochure and a Bible camp filled with friendly youth who welcomed her. This quarter, you can help reach many more people in Poland for Jesus through your 13th Sabbath Offering. Part of this quarter's offering will fund live television programs aimed specifically toward children and youth on Hope Channel, Poland. Thank you for your support through the 13th Sabbath offering. Did you know that you don't have to wait until the last Sabbath of the quarter to give to this special offering? Give online now at our secure website, giving.adventistmission.org. Choose 13th Sabbath offering from the pull-down fund menu – Thank you, and have a great Sabbath. This lesson has been read by Dr. Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired. It is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department and through the services of Hope Channel. Remember, God is always faithful.